traversing deeper into a wasteful winter of desolate despair. Was that the latest album that Zach Meisel was listening to while he was on the treadmill today? Or are we just recapping the Indians offseason? I guess you have to stay tuned to find out. It is the Selby's Godcast. I am TJ Zuppi. He is Zach Meisel. We are from The Athletic Cleveland as we cover the Indians, and we're here every single week to banter about all the things that are happening around Major League Baseball. Zach, good to talk to you again, my friend. Was that a goat whore album? (laughs) I just, I thought it was fitting for the way things have gone, at least according to my Twitter mentions. I think that's a pretty accurate depiction of how many people feel this offseason has gone for the Indians. Hey, Cleveland sports, you know, it's, it's the Indians are on the way down. The Cavs window has closed, but the Browns are assembling this awesome front office and they have two top four picks. So the only ray of sunshine in Cleveland is the Browns. Wait, what? <laughs> yeah. That's, I mean, it's not just on Twitter. That's basically what I've read almost everywhere, but I could spend for the next 45 minutes uh, talking about all of the the reasons why I'm still pretty cynical about the football team in Cleveland. That's not our job. And I don't know, if, would people even care about our opinions on the Browns at this point? Um, I don't uh, Would I care about you? To me that, would you care is... about me and I care about you? Would that even matter? No, it's... <laughs> That we're, they always give us something to talk about in January, February, and March, and April, and they're like, that's so frustrating. I want their, like, imagine a team that goes, I mean, the Steelers, it's different because they just got upset, but, like, a team that goes 10 and 6 most years, you probably just put them on the back burner for, for most of the winter, and, like, sometimes, don't you just, you need a break, like, I didn't want to talk, like, I hated we talked about this. I hate sometimes when the season ends and then like a few weeks later it's Thanksgiving and everyone's just asking you about the Indians. What happened in the ALDS? And it's like, I just want to break. And I'm at that point with the Browns. It's like 20 years overdue, but just want one winter where we're not talking quarterbacks for the same stuff <laughs> over and over. And that's not going to happen now because they're the one team in town that people are ap- actually optimistic about. Because they hired a couple of football guys and maybe are going to hire an offensive coordinator. And they have picks. Who got those picks? The lawyer. But somebody's going to use them now. There's always something to talk about. You know that by now. And you're right. It does get annoying. If you needed a break, you got it with with Major League Baseball this offseason. And now it's to the point where... We don't need a break. We need stuff to happen. We need something to talk about. And luckily... Over the past week or so, we've gotten a few things. Um, some things have, have sort of gotten Indians fans a little nervous. Some things have gotten them perturbed. But you, you just mentioned the Steelers and Pittsburgh just had a rough couple of days where the Steelers lose and then the Pirates are trading Andrew McCutcheon and Garrett Cole and their window actually has closed as opposed to any Twitter mentions declaring the Indians window closed. But it is an, an interesting thought with the, the Pirates because you know, the Indians have been there before, too, where you have to make that decision that we're not good enough. We're a 500 team, maybe at best. And then we have to maybe move some of our, our assets to get younger and retool, rebuild. And we've spent, heck, the last two weeks on this podcast talking about the need to, to zig when others are zagging and, and how everybody's kind of racing to the bottom. But 
I don't, I don't know that I, I fault the Pirates for doing what they did this week. And I know it, it does create a sense in the fans where they're upset because you've got the face of the franchise going elsewhere. But I think just the overall thought in, in that position is the correct one. The question is, did the Indians miss an opportunity there to maybe jump on a guy like McCutcheon, who his trade value a couple of years ago was sky high, and maybe that's when the Pirates should have moved him. They didn't. He went through a rough year a couple of years ago, seemed to be back at least offensively last year, and then didn't get traded for maybe as much as you would have seen a couple of years ago. So did the Indians miss an opportunity there? Should they have been in on those discussions? I think the missed opportunity was created by re-signing or picking up Michael Brantley's option. Where would McCutcheon have played? You could say left field, uh, but then when Brantley comes back, you're paying him $12 million, so he needs to be playing every day, I would think. So do you put him in right field? Well, Lonnie Chisenhall is making about $6 million, and he was really good against right-handers last season. So it's, it's, it's a game of musical chairs. I don't think they have necessarily every day at bats to give away to an outfielder I think they could use some outfield help but I also don't think he fits their profile right now Uh, we've talked about this many times and we'll probably be banging this drum until July but a a player with one year left on his deal does not make sense for the Indians until the trade deadline I think they'll be in the market for the top rentals come June and July I don't think it makes sense to pay a little bit more both financially and in terms of of the return for a player now when they can get by with what they have and win the division. So, so it it doesn't make sense to overpay for April, May and June production when what you're focused on is the second half of the season in October. And I know McCutcheon didn't really cost the giants a whole lot, but still, I I think they're going to wait around to when players price tags drop in July when teams just need to, to offload that guy who's going to be a free agent in a few months anyway. Does it seem like the Giants are doing what we talked about last week and the week before where everybody else was just content to kind of stay put, not really do much, and the Giants are right near the luxury tax. They know their window is maybe this year and that's it. And they they might have been good enough as they were to challenge for a wild card spot if guys kind of got back to their levels. But, I mean, they were a bad team last year. So they've bought on guys that other teams passed on because they're older, like McCutcheon, like Longoria. And they'll probably be underwater with that Longoria contract at some point, maybe even this year. But it, it, doesn't it seem like they're the team that's that's sort of taking the page from the book that we were discussing, that you want to be the team that, is doing the opposite of what everybody else does to try to capitalize. They didn't give up maybe what what you would have envisioned a team giving up long or getting Longoria and McCutcheon would have cost you a couple of years ago. Right. I, I think the key, though, is you can't just dip your toe in the water. You've got a belly flop or cannonball. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you if you're going to do this, because the guys you're acquiring, 2018 is going to be their best year they have remaining. It's only going to get worse after that because they're all aging. So, and they have Bumgarner's only. I think he's got what two years left on his deal. Um, and so they, they, you're right. They need to capitalize. They need to keep going uh, with with this theme. And I don't know whether that means sign Lorenzo Cain or make another trade and, and use some of your other prospects that you still have to bring on some pieces. But you can't just go halfway. You've got to go full. And I think. I mean, they're going to be mentioned in, in every rumor you hear probably 
for the next six months, and it, it makes sense. Yeah, I think I think they kind of fit that profile perfectly. And the Indians are in a different position because as much as it seems like it's all about this year, especially when you look at the bullpen, I mean, we've covered that for, what, a month? It isn't all about next year for the Indians because you still have Ramirez and Lindor and Kluber and Carrasco. These guys locked up, um, and you have an Encarnacion for another year beyond 2018. So while this might be their their last best shot, it's certainly not their last shot to go win it all. And through some some shrewd moves, and maybe even it happens midway through this year where we saw them make a, a move for Andrew Miller that they controlled beyond just that year and made them better for the year after that and the year after that. So maybe they, they go up that route. But I agree with you that the Indians could probably benefit more from holding on to their what resources they have left, unless some opportunity presents itself that is just too, too, way too good to pass up. As some free agent that we thought was going to get seven years is ready to sign a one-year deal, something like that. But that's, that's all based around them actually being willing to do that. And, and we, you and I think that they will be, that when the trade deadline gets there, that they're going to be ready to, to fix whatever ails them at that point. And we might, we might not even have any idea what that might be. It could be an injury. It could be somebody that we think is, is going to hurt them next year, this upcoming year, actually performs above their heads, so you need something else. But this is all predicated on them actually doing that. You know what I mean? Like, we can say that we believe mm-hmm. that they're going to do that. And, and, and they might actually end up doing that. But for fans right now, that's difficult to hear that because there is no guarantee that that's going to happen. And I think if, if they do that, if they go out and use those resources, then it would have been worth being patient and smart and not using them all in the offseason. But if they sit on their hands and don't get anything done at the trade deadline and then they get bounced again in the first round, there's going to be a lot of reason and good reason for, for some criticism being thrown in their direction. There's two two points I want to make here going off of that, though. And and one is, I, I'm sure it's, if you're an Indians fan and you've lived and died with, with the teams the last two years and, and the World Series run just gave you so much hope for the future and then last season with that winning streak in the regular season, it was, no, no one was thinking all this doom and gloom on October 1st, but then it, like 10 days later, there's been no positive thought about the Indians mm. since since mid October. It's it's unbelievable. So I think it's frustrating to watch the Astros not settle. I mean, they won a World Series and they've added Garrett Cole. They've added a couple of bullpen pieces, and they're young and they're going to get better and better. And they haven't even given up a ton. They still have a really good farm system. So I, that's frustrating. And it's frustrating to watch the Yankees land Giancarlo Stanton without having to give up much, um, even though they're. Their pitching still, I think their starting pitching is is a bit substandard. Um, but it, it's frustrating because those other teams are are busy and they're getting better. And the Indians, I don't think anyone would say they've gotten better this offseason. The the thing, and we've touched on this before, thing you have to be careful of is you can't just say, well, the Yankees and Astros were both better than the Indians last year and they got even better this offseason, so now there's no chance. I think that's kind of the trap people are falling into where just because the Yankees beat the Indians three times in a five game series doesn't mean that they were the better team last year anyway. And, and that doesn't mean that they're the better team right now. I mean, Fangraph still has the Indians at 93 wins and the Yankees at 91. Some of that might be related to the divisions the teams play in, but just because they won last year and they added an MVP doesn't mean that they're, they're going to beat the Indians again this October. 
Um, just because the Astros, I mean, we don't know. The Indians might have beaten the Astros if they advanced to the ALCS last year. We don't know. So I think it's healthier to just take a step back and say you've got three really good teams, maybe the Angels and Red Sox, maybe the Twins factor into this at some point. But we know rosters change so much and, and things happen. Guys get injured, guys regress, guys develop, where it's not worth like coming to finite conclusions in December or January just based on a few moves here and there. there. There's plenty of time for that. You don't assemble your World Series winner just in December. You do it in December, January, February, March, April, May, June, July, and, and on and on. I mean, Coco Chris played a huge role for the Indians two years ago, and they added him on, what, August 31st of that year? So there, there's time, and it's not worth it to just rush to judgments. And, uh, you know, it, it's... I don't know. I, I think we've seen enough evidence from the front office the last few years to believe that they know what they're doing and that they're going to make moves and they're going to see, let this season start and then see what, once you have some, some evidence of what's happened, what you need, what you're lacking, and then they'll go out and get it. Whether ownership can hold up their end of the bargain is another question um, from a financial standpoint. But Again, there's so much time that it's it's not worth coming to these these conclusions in January. Right, and that gets to my point where it'll be worth it if you can make if by holding back now you can make a bigger move in July or, or get you something that gets you closer to a championship in July, in July that you can't grab now. And that's that's the unfortunate part for fans because that means you have to wait, and, and no one wants to. You see all these talented players out there. And as much as we've tried to put everything in proper perspective, because we both agree this is not a perfect baseball team, but they're still a really good team. They're, the, they're a top three team in the American League for sure, and I would say a top five team to win it all this year still. Based just on that, still, I understand where the fans' pessimism and skepticism comes from. Because as you sure. said, the Yankees, the Astros are trying to get better. And the Indians... I don't think they've gotten substantially worse. I think they've probably, if, if they're not exactly where they were at last year, they're a half a step behind, which is still a great team. We're talking about a team that won 102 games last year. Um, but still, as you said, they haven't made the moves to get better. And everybody wants to feel like their team got better over the winter. No one wants to come back and feel like their team is worse. Even if you're taking a step back from 100 wins to 97 wins, no one feels good about losing three wins. But in the overall picture, it's still important to note that you're still talking about a team that has as good a shot as anybody to go win it all. The thing that gets concerning is when you see the Indians, the thing that separate, has separated them over the past couple of years, and it's gotten them to the, the playoffs in the past two years, is that they have a, a deep, strong rotation, maybe the best in the American League. Well, now they're challenged for that. The Astros have a, a really good rotation now where if they're able to talk Garrett Cole into throwing his fastball a little bit less, he might unlock becoming an ace again. What they acquired was somebody that is a three, and he's going to pitch like a three, but the Astros are really good at trying to unlock things that can make pitchers even better. And if he's able to, to concentrate more and trust his off-speed stuff and his breaking stuff, then he could get back to being an ace, and that would make things even more difficult if the Indians and Astros were to meet in the postseason. But when you compare the two teams, the, the Yankees and Astros, it is important to note that we're still talking about something that won't happen until October because the, the addition of Cole 
with the Astros, the addition with Stanton with the Yankees impacts the Indians seven times. So 14 total times. Then you're also talking about the almost 60 games that you play against the Royals, White Sox, and, and Tigers. I, no one wants to, to count on that as being what, count, what punches your ticket to the postseason, but it is a reality here. And the Indians don't have a lot of financial wiggle room. I wish they had a little bit more, and I think just a little bit more could really help them because they still have some holes that they need to fill, and it would be better if they could do it without having to go the minor league route with a spring training invite, something more of a proven commodity. But we're still talking about a really, really good team. But I guess my point is I understand why fans feel the way that they do because it has been a tough offseason to watch unfold for them. Are you giving ownership a pass? Do you think they should commit? It was always spend when we contend. And if they if fans show up, they'll put their money behind the team. And they've done that. They they the reason they got Jay Bruce and the Yankees didn't get Jay Bruce was because they were willing to take on that salary. And they paid Encarnacion and they paid Andrew Miller. And the payroll's going to be higher this year than it has ever been. But attendance is also going to be way better than it was in some of those Maniacta days. Um, and we've said it. This is the best chance they're going to have moving forward. I- I'm with you. I don't think the window shuts at the end of 2018. I think there are ways you can build a bullpen on the fly. There are ways you can replace some of the little bits and pieces like Brantley and Chisenhall, um, who will become free agents. But this is this is still their best chance, and so don't you have to sometimes go above and beyond what you're comfortable doing? I yeah, know it's easy yeah. for us to say because we don't have tens of millions of dollars on the line, but you know you have some idea of what your attendance is going to be because you have a much higher season ticket base, and, and because Edwin Encarnacion got paid his extra million dollars or whatever it was, but I mean, don't you have to, if there's that guy out there who can shore up the bullpen, or if there's that that reliable outfielder out there and, and I'm not naming names this second. I think this question could have been asked in November, but don't you have to just throw a little bit more money on the, on the fire? I would like to see it. Yeah. And maybe this is me being a little, a little ignorant, a, a little dumb, but I feel like it would be easier five years from now when it is time to, to finally flip the switch and, and head completely into Rebuildville. Wouldn't it be easier to, to justify that if you, you, you made significant financial commitments during this window? And, and they have, and you laid them out. And if they continue to do that throughout this window, does that, see, to, from my perspective, I would hope that it would make things easier to then say, okay, we're going to cut the payroll way back and we're going to go about the, the rebuilding game. We're going to have a lot of young kids and we're going to have some growing pains and we're going to lose some for a couple of years, but it's all with the eye toward getting better. It would be easier, and, and again, maybe this is just me being ignorant to the realities of the situation, but I think that would be an easier sell to fans if you had completely put in what you could, and we know that it's not to the Dodgers or the Yankees level. No one is asking them to get to that level. But if you're at the mid-130s right now, can you push that into the 140s? Can you offer somebody a, a front-loaded deal? Can you get something done now to, to make your team better within the, your best shot at winning a title? And if you do that, 
do you think, do you, do you agree with me or do you think I'm being stupid that that would be an easier sell down the line to say we're going to cut back, but remember all the times that we went above and beyond and we probably went, we spent beyond our means, but we were doing that within the, the, the window of trying to win a championship. And maybe you can point to what the Royals have done. You know, they maybe spent beyond their means and now they're going to cut back. Do you think any of their fans, maybe some, but do you think the vast majority of fans are going to give back that championship and are going to be upset? I think probably most are going to be okay with that because it was worth reaching the World Series twice and eventually winning it all. Yeah, I think that's the perfect example. I think if you win a championship, I think most is forgiven. Um, and and people, enough people understand the Indians' position where if you are not a giant market, and now even if you are, like the Yankees, they had like at least one rebuilding year. I mean, they, they traded Chapman and Andrew Miller. And so. And they almost made the postseason. <laughs> yeah, it's really hard to sustain winning in Major League Baseball. And I think that's why you're seeing more and more teams tear it down to the studs and build a, try to build a product where you have enough young talent that you can create, I don't know, five, six year window for yourself, knowing that, I mean, there's just so much pressure to draft and develop really well. Mm -hmm. And so if the Indians, you know, the pirates, I think part of their problem is they don't have enough. They haven't had enough talent keep coming up. I mean, they had a really nice stretch where they had Marte and Blanco and Harrison and these guys to, to aid Andrew McCutcheon's cause. But Eventually, that pipeline dries up a little bit, and so you almost need—you just need steady reinforcements. And the Indians, I mean, you, we look at their system. Mejia could play a big role this year. Tristan McKenzie, maybe next year. There aren't a ton of high-impact guys beyond that, at least not in Double A AA or Triple A, not guys who can help you in the next couple of years. So, I think because of that, I think fans know we know what's coming. I mean, they're not. I don't think the Indians are going to win the World Series in 2022 or 2021. But because of that, you have to act now. And I think I, – I, I agree with you. I think whether you're forgiven or not, you have to put more – put forth more effort now and just pay the consequences later. And later you can make up for that money you might have lost. I mean, it, it's I, – I understand the idea of – you want to just get as many chances as possible. And if you can win the division four or five years from now, that's great. But it's, there's so much unknown in baseball and windows shut quicker than we could have ever expected sometimes. And, and I think I'm not saying 2018 or bust, but like, yeah, like the next this year and maybe next year, you've got to put more, you've got to make a, a bigger financial commitment and three or four, four or five years down the line, if that means you have to spend a little less and start trading off some pieces, that's fine. But keep in mind, I mean, like you're gonna Kipnis's salary is gonna come off the books in two years, and Encarnacion's salary is gonna come off the books in two years. So like you're gonna have money then. But are you? I mean, I, I don't those those contracts yeah. will come off the books, but then that'll be the Francisco Lindor through arbitration making. <laughs> to the level of Donaldson in his last year made twenty three million. Could Lindor do but that? I, in I think my point. Here? <laughs> yeah. My point is they always talk about planning ahead, and you know Miller and Allen are, are are 
going to hit free agency at the end of the year. So shouldn't you be planning ahead and signing a reliever right now? Like, I think part of the reason the Astros were interested in Garrett Cole is because they figure they're going to lose Dallas Keuchel after this year. So mm-hmm. for one year, they get Keuchel, Verlander, and Cole, and they'll take the financial hit. I, I don't remember what Cole's making in arbitration, but it's something decent. And they'll have all three of those guys. And then next year, they'll lose Keuchel, but they'll still be good because they have Cole and Verlander. So like, like sometimes you have to do that. And, and I don't know. It seems strange. I think the front office knows what it wants and knows what it needs. And I think sometimes you just, obviously ownership has the final say. And so maybe sometimes you can't do exactly what you had planned and, and what you had hoped for. Cole, by the way, going to make $6.75 million this year in ARB. So not nothing crazy there. But I, no, I but think, he'll make more next year sure. in, in place Ab- of Kaiko. Absolutely. Right. And that kind of helps replace that. Um, but you bring up an interesting point about how you allocate things now and in the future. Probably, I would think those that are smart enough to understand the Indians' financial position probably realize that if they reach close to, let's say, $135 million once they make their final additions and if guys make the roster that are minor league invites and let's just say it's somewhere in the ballpark of 135 i mean 135 is nothing to sneeze at by the way in the indians position that puts them in the upper half of baseball and it's closing in on the top third um that's i mean that's not a bad place to be in most probably are are more upset with the allocation of funds that you're paying Mm -hmm. and and this is difficult in a vacuum to, and this this is me being a little unfair. I'll, I'll readily admit that. But you look at Michael Brantley plus Jason Kipnis, and you say, well, why can't you just trade Kipnis for nothing, get back to financial flexibility, not pick up Brantley's option, and use that money to bring back either Santana or Bruce or try to bring back both? And and I I get that because I you, know, you and I were both a little skeptical, if not more than that, about bringing back Brantley. And a lot of a lot of this offseason, and this is where it gets scary, is sort of tied to how well he performs and how often he's on the field. If he's on the field for 130 games and he contributes an above 800 OPS and he's like what he was when he made the All-Star team last year, you probably won't complain about it. You'll, you'll be better for having him in the lineup. And if, if Kipnis gets back to being a four-win player or better, then no one's going to complain about that. But if either of those guys or both of those guys performs below expectations or is hurt, that's going to be fair because they have to, they have to be able to forecast even better than we can, what the market's going to be. Know that if they take a risk and they don't bring Brantley back, that there is going to be somebody there that they can sign, whether it's a Curtis Granderson who signs for $5 million, who would have been a fine addition to the outfield if they had decided to go elsewhere than, than bringing back Brantley. It's it's probably more about the the allocation of funds than it is the actual money that they're spending. Do you agree? Do you think it's it's more about how they've spent the money that that has frustrated people more so than how much they've spent? Yes and no. I think the benefit of having a more flexible payroll or a larger payroll is you can cover for your mistakes and you can take more risks. And the Indians were hamstrung for years by Nick Swisher and Michael Bourne's salaries because they were a quarter of the payroll and they couldn't do anything. You you know, we always, 
whenever we go into a season in the past, I think we're conditioned to say, well, this guy's going to start because he's making this salary. And it's like, you have to at least see if you can get what you're paying him for. And if you're a big payroll team, you don't have, like Jacoby Ellsbury doesn't have to play every day for the Yankees because if they're paying a bench player $20 million, who cares? Because they have a, a giant salary, a, a giant payroll and, and other good players. And like the Indians haven't always been able to do that. And I think, Yes, it's it's very we, we deserve to be we have the right to be skeptical about Michael Brantley earning twelve million dollars, especially if that's something close to ten percent of the payroll. And they knew he was going to have ankle surgery, and he's already had shoulder injuries. And yeah, that, that doesn't make any sense. Um, but I think you're also fortunate to be in a position where Carlos Carrasco is making he's criminally underpaid. Corey Kluber is criminally underpaid. Francisco Lindor and Jose Ramirez are criminally underpaid. So you have your core making peanuts, and that has allowed you, I guess in their own way, to take the risk with Brantley and to uh, to retain Kipnis for now. And so, I, 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 yeah, the allocation of resources is a little – it makes you scratch your head a little bit, but I, in the grand scheme of things, like – Kluber and, and Carrasco and Lindor and Ramirez and, and other guys shouldn't be making as little as they are. So you probably shouldn't have had. I mean, I mean, imagine if if Kluber or Carrasco, if one of them was making market value twenty million plus a year, the, the Indians wouldn't have flexibility to to do any of that. You would have lost Brantley. You would have traded away Kipnis to dump his salary, and we'd be talking about I don't know Naquin as your starting left fielder and Urshela as your starting third baseman and and. Then what would this offseason be like? So I, I agree you can be frustrated with the allocation, but you have to remind yourself that the reason they're in this position anyway is because they've signed their best players to ridiculously club-friendly contracts. There's also an element there where, to be fair, as I'm, I'm going to be critical of those moves and keep an eye towards those two things throughout the year, both Brantley and Kipnis, Kipnis more so, but I mean, it's not not completely crazy to believe that Michael Brantley could play 120, 130 games. Is is that something I want to put my house on? No, <laughs> you know, but it's it's also you have a twelve like, million dollar house. Duh, um, it's not crazy to believe that he's gonna do what he did last year, right? Like, I'm not, I'm not. Going out on, I'm not taking crazy pills to believe that Jason Kipnis, if he comes back and is just not bogged down by injury constantly, can be a four win player this year. And even if he's not an all star again, that he's just a really, really good, really solid player that gets on base and is all around just good. It, it's not crazy to believe that Michael Brantley can't be a solid hitter that is clearly above average. Um, you know, while they took some risks here in both of those guys. It's not, I don't, I don't think it's like as crazy as the risk, and it's only $5 million, but I mean, you took a risk on Grady Sizemore. I don't think it was as crazy to believe that, that Brantley and, and Kipnis could be really big contributors for this team in 2018. No, I mean, I don't know, but wouldn't you have rather had Santana? <laughs> well, duh. Yeah, absolutely. That's what everyone says. Wouldn't you rather have Jay Bruce than Brantley? I think part of it, too, is you knew Brantley was the only one whose destiny you controlled. They knew they would have competition in trying to sign Santana and Bruce. 
And with Brantley, it was like, well, just in case we lose the other two, at least we have the power to choose whether or not we want to keep Brantley. So we might as well do it. I think that a lot of that went into their thinking. Um, I don't know. I, I mean, it's it's. I think a lot of people are just ready, or, or maybe it's just us who are ready for the season to start, so we can stop harping on this off season. Has it? It hasn't gone that differently than what most of us would have expected. Like, no. I think from my standpoint, I thought they would sign a reliever. I thought Hector Rondon would have made tons of sense. I think he made like four and a half million from Houston, or Joe Smith, or, or something like that. I, but other than that, like. And maybe they would have had another outfielder. I think they have high hopes for Melvin Upton, but I still this think hasn't gone I still think too they, differently. I still think they will add another outfielder. Yeah, it won't be it won't be anything that really moves the needle on their win total projections this year. But I I think they'll add to the pile there. I think they'll add to the pile in, in the bullpen before it's all said and done. This isn't the finished product, and you alluded to that. The things change drastically, but. I, the whole point of this is just that while we have been quick to say step back from the ledge, it's not quite as bad as it seems. I also understand where that's coming from. And I don't sure. think I don't think that people that feel that way are dumb or stupid or shouldn't feel that way because it's tough as a fan. You want to see your team get better. And the Indians haven't done a lot of that uh, real quick before we get to some of the questions we got on Twitter. I, and I'm thinking about things that could save the offseason, and maybe this is something we can talk about in an upcoming Diamond Dialogue. But how much di- would, would fans feel differently if, about this offseason if they were to sign Francisco Lindor to a, a multi-year extension and conservatively, let's say, they get an extra year of control out of it? Or if they come back and if they're able to somehow work out, this is the the least likely of all scenarios, but if they're able to work out an extension with Cody Allen or they, they get Trevor Bauer under an extension and buy out two years of free agent control. And now they have him for an additional two years. It would, would invest taking the money that everyone wants to see spent and investing that back in themselves, doing the things that have gotten to them to the point, not only in the nineties, but here recently too, where you just talked about with, with Kluber and Carrasco signing these guys and, and trying to get them under contract. So you control the cost. Would doing that, would that shift the needle at all for fans? Would they, could they feel any better if they were able to get any of that done? To, so fans actually could see the money that is there actually being utilized and, and trying to keep this core together? No. I think it would, it depends on the player, first of all. Lindor would, that would help. Fans love him. He's the face of the team. Cody Allen would help because he's the one closest to free agency. Andrew Miller, same thing. But no, like this is an impatient town, and it's it's understandable that it is. I mean, the Cavs won a championship, and now it's like fans are freaking out because this year it doesn't seem like they have much of a chance, and then LeBron might leave, and then even if he doesn't leave, the team is old, and how do you get better? You don't have much flexibility roster-wise or financially, and um you know, the Browns just went through a one and 31 stretch. So I think fans are pretty impatient. Uh, Jimmy Haslam, certainly impatient. So I, and, and with the Indians, you, you got as close as you possibly could to winning a world series and you didn't. So there's not a lot of consideration for the future and I get it. And 
I kind of think that's fair and that's how it should be with the Indians. They haven't won a championship in 70 years. They've gotten as close as they could. We, we know it, it's they went 14 years without really having without having back-to-back winning seasons or, or back-to-back playoff seasons. And now you've you, you've got this golden opportunity where you're gonna have three, four, maybe five cracks at it. And if you don't win one, that's just as disappointing and uh, of a let as much of a letdown as, as the '90s run. And so I think it's all about the here and now. And if if you if you sign Lindor, if, if you extend his team control to 2024 instead of 2021 or two, that that doesn't really do anything for me now. That doesn't save the off season. I think they're they're separate issues. And so, but, but that but does that necessarily make it the bad choice? I guess that's where we could expand because I, I think that actually, well, it's like opening up Christmas, your Christmas presents, and it's socks. And you're like, well, damn, I don't know why I wanted toys. I don't want socks. Well, those socks are going to keep your feet warm for the considerable future, and they're necessary. So I, I guess that's kind of what I was alluding to, and maybe we can get into in the future. All right. So is Let's, Lindor the socks, or is he the toy? He, he is like a toy that also becomes socks. He is versatile. Um Dark Winter Onion wants to voice his concern. I'm still so mad about the ALDS that I find it complete. I find myself completely disinterested in tried news and views. How do I get over it before the season starts, Zach? You don't. You stay in your pit of misery, your apocalyptic <laughs> havoc, and just come out of your cocoon in October, see what happens, and then go back into it, um, into your pit of despair. Didn't we talk about this like right when the offseason began that this was going to happen? I feel like this may have been something that we discussed. Yeah, uh, I mean, does anyone care about the upcoming Indian season or is it going to be wake us up on September 30th? Yeah, it, there might be a lot of that. There especially, are some fans especially who, if, who do that. Especially if this division is over early, if the Twins are more of a 500 right. team or something to that effect. Yeah, maybe there's some of that. All right, Nino wants to know, who would win in a biathlon? Swimming, running, no biking, because it would be impossible. A turtle or a sloth? You know, I actually did some research on this and found out that sloths are sensational swimmers. Hmm. So that is my answer. Well, turtles, aren't they also, like, in the water for half of their life? Uh, Yeah, but sloths are bigger. They can cover more ground. I was told that Sloth. slow and steady wins the race, and that was about a turtle. So he's got experience. He's got experience in these sorts of things happening. So I'm going to go with the turtle. Uh, Cleveland fan ace. Do the Indians have room for another outfielder currently besides BJ Upton as a minor league invite? Isn't there room to add somebody through a trade with Geyer being out for who knows how long? I don't know. I mean, every indication we've gotten has said that they don't have money to sign anyone beyond that last minute deal that the the player just wants to sign so that he can feed his family. Like, I don't I don't think they're going to sign someone to a one year, ten million dollar deal. I don't think they're going to sign anyone to a multi like I think this is it. I think you'll see your non roster invites and your maybe like a last minute. Marlon Bird or Rajay Davis type thing, but I don't think there's going to be anything that's going to get people excited. Yeah, but the Bird thing helped for like a month and a half 
right? And of course, Davis might have hit the, one of the biggest home runs in franchise history. See, you know, Marlon Byrne, see there I are some benefits to socks. There are benefits to socks, dude. I wrote this glowing feature on Marlon Bird about his comeback story and all the things in life he had been through. And then like a week later, he gets popped for PEDs. Oh, I'm still mad at that guy. <laughs> I love that fans are mad at him because that just meant that he got taken away from the team and a chance to maybe help them. You're mad because it just ruined your story. Well, uh, I'll never forget the night before the news broke. Paul Hoynes saw Marlon Bird packing up a suitcase at his locker. Oh, that's right. Yeah. And this is like like a Tuesday night. It's in the middle of a series. Like, he's not going anywhere. And Hoynes, (laughs) and this isn't to pick on him because he laughs about it, but (laughs) he's like, he's just looking at that and he's wondering, like, the hell is this guy doing? And then the next day it (laughs) dawns on him. He's like, well, shit, I should have followed up with that or followed up on that. Hey, you know, Bird, he was worth – 0.3 0.3 wins above replacement that year, according to baseball reference. And he made $1 million from the Indians. At least that was what the salary was. What what was the overall salary? I don't remember what they ended up keeping and what they had to pay. Anyways, let's just say it's $1 million that they paid him. For $1 million for a third of a win above replacement, that actually that works out. That was actually a worthy investment. So. Before you go laugh it off and say that it wasn't worth it, they actually got their money's worth, at least according to free agent wins and how that's projected. Yeah, but they won the division by more than 0.3 games. So This is true. They didn't uh, need I, all the headaches. I, 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 can't, I can't dispute that. Uh, Matt wants to know, are we ever going to find out specifically what was wrong with Kluber's arm in the playoffs and if there could be lingering effects in 2018? I don't think so. I mean, it's this is like... This should be in Fort Knox, the answer to that question. Uh, maybe in like The President's Book of Secrets. Trump yeah, knows the answer to In 2060, you can well, – probably. In 2060, you can read my book on what happened to Kluber in the 2017 ALDS, but you'll have to wait until then. Very publicly, they say that it was – it was arm slot. Just dropped. Maybe he's a little tired. Maybe he's a little fatigued. Or maybe Didi Gregorius just knew what was coming. Uh, either way, it uh, didn't work out uh, splendidly for him. Uh, Chris wants to know, what was your favorite Ben Broussard song? Oh, he's still producing music, I think. Is he? I, was, I, I don't remember why, and I probably shouldn't say this, because without context, it makes me seem like such a weirdo. <laughs> I pulled up his... Uh, one of his songs on YouTube within the last two months. And <laughs> I can't remember why, and it's going to drive me crazy. But Broussard's stuff, much better than Nick Swisher's children's album. I'll say that. Uh, who is the better musician, Ben Broussard or Brett Myers? Oh, God. Well, Ben Broussard never uh, stuffed his Drupal Cabrera's little son into a <laughs> trash can, so... <laughs> while laughing like a madman. Um, All right, last one. Robbie wants to know the strangest addition to Tribe Fest that you guys would add just for fun. You know, I wanted to ask you this too. I remember the Indians in the past have held a a one or two day mini camp Mm -hmm. before Tribe Fest. And I'll never forget the year Cody Allen just showed up looking like an Adonis and he was chiseled because he was – I mean, he was just, he kind of looked like a regular guy before that. And they would describe him as a lumberjack. And then he comes to this mini camp in January 
with like a 12 pack and looking like he could bench 600 pounds. And it made me think like, like who else, what, what, what would shock you the most just seeing these players for the first time in a few months? Like what, what other, like if, I don't know if Francisco Lindor grew a third hand or <laughs> yeah, that if Bartolo Colon showed up and had a six pack. Yeah, that, that, yeah, that would also be up there. Maybe if Andrew Miller shrunk five inches, was now six foot one, yeah. like that would be a little shocking. Uh, things that could actually happen that they could set up for fun for Tribe Fest. How about you stand in the box uh, at, at Progressive Field and Andrew Miller throws you slider after slider. And if you make contact with one, you get season tickets. I like it. How many pitches would you have to see before you could make contact? Um, how many is infinite? Yeah. And if you soil, your, soil, your, soil yourself, that's difficult to say, then you're, you're disqualified. You're, you're out of there. So I think I'd be disqualified pretty quickly. That's it. You have no no fun thing to add to Tribe Fest. Um, maybe like a dunk tank. If you can throw a strike, you it dunks Edwin Encarnacion. Hmm. I think it would be fun if it was the other way around. If he was still here and hadn't signed with the Rockies, the fans sit in the dunk tank, and Brian Shaw is the one that dunks. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but they would. All the fans would say, "Oh, I'm not worried because he's not a pro strike." <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, thank you for listening this week to the Selby is Godcast. You can subscribe on iTunes, Apple Podcasts. You can listen on Bumpers. You can find us at the Athletic Cleveland. You can search the Athletic slash Indians and find us many different ways. Or if you just search Selby is Godcast, find us on Twitter at TJ Zuby at Zach Meisel. And, of course, if you have any questions that you would like included in the podcast, send them to us at any time. Email us. There are a multitude of ways to get in touch with us to be part of the show. Any parting words for our friends before we, we, take, uh, we take our little vacation here for this next week? Yeah. The Onion guy, you don't have to stay in your pit of misery. It's okay. See the light. There's four weeks till spring training. I know it's like a negative five degree wind chill in Cleveland today, but just, it'll be okay. The sun will come out. Uh, the players will hit the ground running in, in Arizona and enjoy the journey. Just take it all in because it certainly beats a 95 loss season where you're paying more attention to the results of double a than the results in the majors. And it's certainly a lot better than a collapse in eternal worth or a sky inferno, or a desolate path, desolate path to apocalypse. I think all of that, right? We should have full disclosure on what we're talking about. <laughs> Why? It's so much more fun when they're just our inside joke. I guess. Uh, the goat, <laughs> Go Google songs by the band Goat Whore and just laugh at the, the adjectives. Or just enjoy, enjoy the bliss for your ears that is heavy metal. metal. Oh, come on. If, if it's good enough for Tom Withers of the Associated Press, it should be good enough for you. All right, we're out of here. Have a good weekend. Hope everybody enjoys their, their time at Tribe Fest if they're heading down there. If you see us, we'll, we'll be the ones that are trying to look busy, but we're probably doing nothing. So feel free to say hi to us and uh, chat with us if you're down there at Tribe Fest. And hopefully you have a good time. We'll be back next week with the Selby is Godcast route.